0: Um, most of the things that you would consume would tend to be on the inflammatory side of the dietary spectrum, except maybe the broccoli and the uh, fruits and vegetables that you might consume there. But that, the potatoes and the rice and the...
1: Not so much. That
0: sort of stuff. Yes. So minimize the presence of that. doesn't mean you have to stop doing that completely. Just minimize that. And then maximize the presence of anti-inflammatory things. Lots of fruits and vegetables have a lot of polyphenols and carotenoids that tend to be both not only antioxidant, but anti-inflammatory. And of course, omega-3s yes. are really, really important. They are the primary fat-soluble anti-inflammatory compounds.
1: Yes. Now, speaking of which, um, I know the study with um, salmon oil talked about the inflammatory index. Um, and this had to be a number of years ago. So has was Neolife-SAB one of the pioneers of looking at inflammatory index if you can maybe go over that study
0: sure uh yeah to answer your question were we pioneers yeah matter of fact when we did that study uh, on omega-3 salmon oil plus uh, that type of study, an intervention trial, meaning it's a trial done in the real world with real people under real life conditions, which are very, very strong, much better for this sort of thing than doing drug trials where you've got too many laboratory-controlled things, and because the world life is not laboratory-controlled. So um, it's w- we looked at the this idea of inflammatory index, and we took it right down to the basics. Remember, I told you in the beginning that. Metabolic health starts with the cells. So, we started with cells, and in particular cell membranes. And what we found is that um, through this study, in your cell membranes are made of lipids, and those lipids can be either inflammatory or anti inflammatory. In the study, we found that in as little as six or four to eight weeks um, of just taking salmon oil plus every day, the actual inflammatory index. The ratio of inflammatory compounds in those red blood cells was changed rather dramatically. We saw at baseline that they had um, a certain ratio where the omega-3s were quite low and the omega-6 inflammatory were quite high. And then after, um, like I say, four to eight weeks, we showed that omega-3s, in particular EPA, DPA, and DHA that are uh, in salmon oil plus, actually dislodged those inflammatory fats, kicked them out of the cell membranes, and replaced replace them with anti-inflammatory fats. So by changing the ratio, by f- kicking out the inflammatory fats and the fats in that cell membrane and putting in the anti-inflammatory ones, we changed that ratio and thus started the change of the inflammatory index. And as far as I know, we were the first company to do that sort of study and with that sort of look for a dietary supplement. I don't know of many or any, actually, that have been done on dietary supplements uh, like that since, but it's one of the hallmarks of, of NeoLife and the Scientific Advisory Board is to do that sort of work that applies generally before it becomes known. I mean, we were talking glycemic response control 20 years ago almost, <laughs> <laughs> and it's now it's long. become sort of common, and the same thing's happening with the inflammatory index. We were talking about it in the early 2000s, and now, what, 15 years later, everybody's starting to talk about it. So. Um, It's one of the benefits we have of staying focused on the science and not having to do all of the other stuff that goes on. We just keep moving the ship forward on that path. Really important study.
1: Yes. Those are actually three different biomarkers that you discussed, which is your first one, um, which is the inflammatory index, Mm -hmm. the second one, the glucose index, and then third one, which you've mentioned before, which maybe we could touch a little bit more on, and that's oxidative stress. Now you told us multiple times anti-aging, oxidation, inflammation. Right.
0: Oxidation and inflammation are the evil twins of aging and disease. And it's true, every disease or condition, adverse disease or adverse condition that occurs in the body is somehow got an oxidation and or inflammation component attached to it. It's just the way the system works. It doesn't matter where you go in the body. It can be the heart or the liver or the brain or wherever. Those relationships exist. So it's important for people to understand that you know when we tell them to get fruits and vegetables in their diet, it's not that we you know, it's when they're missing the fruits and vegetables, it's not that they miss the juice or the nice flavor or so on and so forth. It's that they're missing key nutrients that are only available for those from those sorts of foods that actually manage the relationship between oxidation and oxidative stress in your body. When you're under oxidative stress, oxidative stress attacks cell membranes, it attacks the f- lipids that are in your bloodstream, it messes with your immune capacity, all sorts of things happen, which increases heart disease risk and so on and so forth. Matter of fact, um, oxidative events on cell membranes, as we were just talking about changing the, the the content of cell membranes from an inflammatory fat to an anti-inflammatory fat, the inflammatory index, same thing applies with oxidation. You can change that inflammatory index, but if you don't have the antioxidants to balance it, that cell membrane is still at risk of being oxidized in the presence of these oxidizing agents. So. Um, it's not that you shouldn't do it, it's just it's like, you know, having one shoe. <laughs> the other foot's going to get real sore because you need to have both shoes to deal with both things. Uh, so um, dealing with oxidative stress is, is the next key component, those carotenoids and flavonoids and polyphenols and things like that that are the antioxidants that you need to get from your food that you're not can leave you needlessly exposed if you're not getting enough of them. And there's no other place to get them. I mean, that's the only place you can get these bioactive nutrients is from foods that we're talking about. And that's not surprisingly exactly where NeoLife goes to get them. We don't make them in the laboratory or, you know, get them from some pond scum someplace. We actually go to the actual foods that we know contain these and extract those bioactive substances and deliver them because nothing else will do the job.
1: Very important stuff. So, we talked also about uh, weight and I know Neal Life Shake seems to fit in pretty well into this, um, and also doesn't just look at minimizing your weight, but also your body mass index. Mm-hmm. Can you um, s- expand a little bit more on that, on how, why that's important?
0: Sure. Uh, you know, it's, it's. I guess if you don't think about it, it's one of those situations where it doesn't really dawn on you until you think about it. and. Uh, when I talk to people, I'd like to just draw this to their attention. When we lose weight, you know, we know that weight is about inflammation and inflammation is is a big problem. And as you lose weight, you actually dial down your inflammation. To, you know, a five pound loss in weight can represent a, a much bigger loss in inflammatory stress in the body, okay? So really important. But the other thing about it uh, that makes um, the clinical trial for the, for the Neolife Weight Management System so effective is we looked at beyond just weight loss. And there's a, a component in there that we call anthropometric measures. It's a way of, talk, it's a big word, another big scientific word, that says the measures of key regions of your body. So it would be your upper arms or your thighs, your waist, your hips, your calves. Um, things like folds under the arms and so on and so forth it, all of these anthropometric measures. So you can lose weight and not lose fat, okay? You can just lose muscle, uh, and which it wouldn't be valuable or nearly as valuable. Well, no, it wouldn't be valuable. It would be detrimental Uh, because the fat is the driving force for inflammation. So when we did our study, not only did we show we lost weight, but we showed a continuous loss of measure, a reduction of anthropometric measure throughout all of the regions of the body. So people who were on the trial had smaller thighs, smaller calves, smaller waist, smaller hips, smaller arms. And what that told us is that we were actually losing that fat which was important to us because it became a primary driver of our understanding of the relationship between fat and inflammation. And by reducing the fat, we are reducing the inflammation. So not only do you lose the weight, which causes a reduction of inflammation, but there's a direct confirmation that you lose the fat that is the driver of inflammation. Really important part of the study. Very you don't want to just lose weight; you want to lose fat.
1: Yes. So now all of this, we touched on the fact that it's going to impact your heart, and you're going to look at a lot of your blood pressure, blood lipids. um, And these are very important biomarkers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Looking at metabolic syndrome, you know, if you have metabolic syndrome, it actually increases your risk of, say, a heart attack or a Mm -hmm. stroke. Um, Why is this? If you could talk a little bit about why are these markers so important for heart?
0: Well, actually biomarkers are important for everything. you know the the biomarkers for heart health are pretty obvious. If you go to uh, your doctor regularly or or whatever, they're going to get a little uh, blood sample from time to time, and they want to look at the relationship between. M- often they'll talk to you <coughs> most about your blood cholesterol, which seems to be the big the big concern. And there's there's reason for concern. Certainly, blood cholesterol is a big a, a big concern, in the sense that cholesterol is a pretty strongly associated marker for cardiovascular health. When when blood cholesterol levels are low, say below 180, uh, then the risk of cardiovascular health or heart disease is much lower. When blood cholesterol levels get higher, say above 200, and going on up from there, the risk of of heart disease gets, uh, gets significantly higher. So often they'll focus right in on those biomarkers. There's really six biomarkers in the blood that you need to think about relative to heart. One of those is your total cholesterol. Another is your LDL cholesterol. Another is your HDL cholesterol. LDL is the bad cholesterol, HDL is the good. Then there's the ratio of HDL to LDL, that ratio of the good cholesterol to bad cholesterol. You want as much of that HDL as you can and keep that ratio with LDL down and then the ratio of HDL to total cholesterol. So those are the five cholesterol rated ones and then the sixth one in terms of cardiovascular lipids is triglycerides. So that combination of biomarkers is important. Whenever those biomarkers are elevated um, you're at risk of heart disease. Now interestingly enough you cannot be overweight and still have problems with your with your cardiovascular risk factors with those six. You can be, you know, have a BMI of 25 or 22 or 20 or something like that and still have elevated cholesterol and triglycerides and and the like because it's often a reflection of diet. Uh, And you can have some familial uh, uh, drivers that way, some genetic predispositions to elevated cholesterol. So um, in, in that particular case, it's really important to understand that the protective factors against that are. You want to pump up your HDL, go out and get some exercise. You want to pump up your HDL, go out and take some, eat lots of carotenoid rich fruits and vegetables, eat lots of fiber, things like that. If you want to take down your total cholesterol levels, eat lots of fiber. If you want to take down your triglyceride levels, Salmon Oil Plus showed in the clinical trial that it was amazingly powerful in coming to re- lowering triglycerides and all of those sorts of things. But there's another element of this that is a secondary marker of that that people don't often look at, and that's your homocysteine level. Homocysteine is a, now considered a, known to be a more significant indicator of risk of heart disease than cholesterol and triglycerides. And the reason is that homocysteine um, is, is an inflammatory force. Now the challenge is that homocysteine is a natural thing that goes on in your body. Naturally your body brings in certain nutrients and processes them through what's called the homocysteine cycle and produces methionine or something else out of that cycle and so homocysteine values the only amount that you have is like the pool that is active at that particular moment. You got some new stuff coming in and some finished stuff going out so the pool of homocysteine becomes sort of um, stable. Generally that will be measured in single digit numbers on the homocysteine scale. If you go to the doctor these days they should be giving you that data with your blood with your blood data. What happens is when the homocysteine cycle breaks down, uh, it doesn't finish the cycle. So instead of being a static pool, that level builds up and up and up so that homocysteine becomes unusually high presence of it in the body. The problem with that is that it's a very strong oxidizing agent. And um, like I said, there's a much stronger connection between Elevated homocysteine level than there is cholesterol levels when it comes to cardiovascular health and the aspect of that is Oxidation so a couple of things you need to do there is one if you don't know your homocysteine levels you should know your homocysteine levels Um, Generally, you know for them for these blood tests It's a little bit like the idiot light on the dashboard that comes on and says you're out of oil Yeah, it's a little late. So (laughs) You know you should be tracking those sorts of things because you don't want to go and find that instead of two or three or five which would be the normal homocysteine level that you're at 15 or 20 or 25 because that oxidative stress becomes a big factor there are ways to address homocysteine uh, completion of the cycle lipotropic adjunct is designed to feed in nutrients specifically related in the utilization of of the, those nutrients for the purpose of keeping that homocysteine cycle working so that it doesn't become plugged up, it actually becomes, it stays in balance down in those single digit values. So really important cardiovascular risk factors there. Um, the reason that uh I don't know about everybody else, but I actually track my risk factors, my cardiometabolic ones, as well as uh, many, many others. You know, I enter it into my smartphone I, in the iHealth app from Apple. You know, there's lots of ways you can do. They can, tells me how many steps I do every day, tells me what my, how many flights of stairs I climbed, Keeps me both physically active, tracks my weight, immediately calculates my BMI for me. So if I weigh myself, and uh, I don't even have to enter it now because I've got a scale that Bluetooth's to my phone. (laughs) Pretty cool stuff. So I step on there, and it does all the calculations. But if you really want to take charge of your long-term health care, long-term future, rather, in terms of metabolic health or whatever it might be, uh, you just need to get involved. And that's why biomarkers become so important to know and
1: follow. So very important, which that brings us to summarizing and exactly what this call is really all about. And that's understanding what is metabolic health and metabolic syndrome, Um, then again, looking at how it impacts each one of our systems and how it interconnects with everything, whether it be immune or neurological, um, heart health. And then again, how to take ownership and how to take control, whether it be with diet or one of the biomarkers um, it's very important to do multiple things, whether it be weight management, having an active lifestyle, reducing your stress, maybe sleeping a little bit, um, or eating a diet and nutrition. Um, what do you think is the most important?
0: Well, the evidence by far says that weight management is the single biggest thing that you can do, and that combination with exercise is fundamental. Um, stress reduction, yeah, it's always good to avoid stress. Sometimes it's unavoidable, so you have to find ways to manage that. And another thing that exercise helps you do is manage stress. So that that's uh, another good thing. Sleep, you know, sleep deprivation and stress are very closely associated. I don't know how to tell you to get better sleep other than, you know, don't go to bed on a full stomach and, you know, turn off your iPad or your iPhone or your television and actually make going to bed about going to bed <laughs> and getting, <laughs> some s- getting some sleep. But the real key here is, is diet. Everything we know about metabolic health says that it's modulated by diet and nutrition. Matter of fact, there's a number of articles that i brought here in my package of information that relate the importance of using diet to manage health, or or manage metabolic health, or how the two are influenced. And they say, not a lot different than what we talk about, they sort of amplify the importance of the messages we've been delivering in the past, like pay attention to the antioxidant value of your diet, because oxidative stress is a real thing, doesn't really matter where it is in your heart, your brain, everywhere, oxidative stress is a real thing. Uh, especially in the types of lifestyles we live and so on and so forth these days, it's even, it's even higher. So, and the antioxidant compounds are well known to people who pay any attention to us at all. You know, crotenoids are really powerful, lipid soluble antioxidants, protect cell membranes from oxidative attack, one of the things the USDA proved in their clinical trials they did for us. Vitamin C and vitamin E are very well known vitamin antioxidants, polyphenols and flavonoids very important you know the, some of those are important because not only do they work in the major tissues of your body they get a free pass across the blood brain barrier and get up to protect you from the oxidative stress that's going on in your brain as well and then we talked about inflammation and anti-inflammatory things try to avoid those inflammatory things if you stop and think about it you know what they are Right, It's the fast foods, convenience foods, and things that you're eating. Everybody sort of has a pretty good idea when they're eating something they shouldn't be. Okay, And remember what I said, there's nothing really anti-inflammatory going on in a fast food restaurant. That's not <laughs> their, their claim. They're figuring, come in and eat what you want to eat here, and then the rest is on you to take care of the rest of it. So... And y- so you want to look at omega-3 fats on the lipid-soluble side. There are no better, no stronger a- anti-inflammatory compounds than um, in the diet anywhere than omega-3 fats, and particularly the way we deliver them in omega-3 salmon oil plus with all eight of the me- family members in synergy, a real important relationship. Flavonoids and polyphenols, not only antioxidants but anti-inflammatory compounds. Another thing is think about detoxifiers. You know, we talk about detox here from time to time, but toxins go on in your body all the time, and making sure you're getting an abundant amount of B vitamins is critical to the detoxification process. We know B vitamins are involved in energy which is critical. But energy is also involved in detox. Detox doesn't happen for a zero sum game. It's a process the body goes through and uses energy to do. So when you compromise your B vitamin energy intake, you also compromise your B vitamin uh, anti-detoxification uh, intake. Um, remember about regenerative stuff? You know, as your body goes through weight loss and so on, you're going to have to rebuild to some degree. So there are regenerative compounds, regenerative nutrients. You need to get a lot of structural components like proteins and amino acids that build muscle and connective tissue and things like that. Remember every morning when you wake up, if you weren't eating while you were sleeping, you're in nitrogen debt, meaning you need more amino acids. So best thing you can do to kick off your day is, is start with those uh, with a good protein source. Structural lipids functional for uh, cells. And cellular structure and function, remember that the basis of you is those cells and how they perform. That is what metabolic health is all about. Right, starts with the cells, goes to the tissues those cells make, to the organs the tissues make, to the systems that those organs drive. That becomes the total you. And it all starts right down at the cellular membrane. So remember to take care of your cells and you know, you know, Life, we're all about cellular nutrition. Everything we do has been grounded in making your cells healthy so you can be too.
1: Yes. Well, thank you so very much, John. It's always a pleasure being with you and hearing such a, a mass amount of great information. It's uh,
0: always a pleasure. Sure. Yes.
1: Thank you. Wow. What an amazing and insightful call. We want to thank John Miller and Arlene for such great information. And also thank you to everyone for joining us today on this jam-packed call. In closing, these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. With that said, we want to thank everyone for joining us tonight on the call again and choosing Neolife as your nutrition provider. We wish you all good night and goodbye from Neolife. Bye, guys.